Hi, I'm Sophie Milliken and welcome to the Ambition Accelerator podcast. Today I'm talking to Sherry Kutu, serial entrepreneur and angel investor who serves on the boards of various companies, charities and universities. Welcome to Sherry Kutu, CBE, serial entrepreneur, former CEO, angel investor and non-executive director. And when I was doing my research into you, Sherry, I found so many interesting things. You've done so much and I'm sure you'll share some of that with us today. So welcome and really looking forward to talking to you about some of the themes that are in within the book and hearing your own stories, experience and advice. So welcome. So could we start off with you sharing with us if you always knew what you wanted to be when you grew up? Um, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. So I'm very sorry to, to disappoint you, but uh, I don't think I'm yet grown up. Um, and I didn't have any firm fixed ideas when I was, when I was younger. Um, I did at one point um, think that I might be a lawyer because I liked justice and I'd heard of a lawyer. Um, I think the thing that put me on to entrepreneurship and, uh, and my subsequent career was, uh, was were, were role models. Mm. And the most poignant one is probably Steve Shirley, um, who is, this, is a serial entrepreneur and was running her own business. And I, before I met, uh, well, I didn't meet, I've now met her, but before I had heard about her, I'd never entertained the idea of running my own business um, at all. And, uh, and I was 21, I was 21 and I was studying at the LSE when I came across a case study on her. And um, so I think role models have been really important to me. That was very, that, that fueled my ambitions the um, the thing that uh, it was another person, Richard Crusoe, who was a fellow classmate of mine at the London um, School of Economics, who was an entrepreneur, who told me I was an entrepreneur uh, and that this was my this was my calling. And again, I'd probably really never heard of uh, of being an entrepreneur at that point in my in my career. Uh, and I was interested to to think that someone thought that 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 might be my that might be my calling. Now. He was probably pretty correct. Did, what was it that he saw in you that made him identify you as an entrepreneur at that point? Don't know. I should probably go back to him, and uh, <laughs> I should probably go what back to him. Yeah. Um, well, I think that um, he also. I had shared with him that at that point I thought I was going to be a, a lawyer, and he told me I would be a terrible lawyer. Oh. So um, you know, which is also which is helpful um, because I, you know, I had at that point that's what I thought. Uh, that's what I thought. He had he had studied law and he had um, become an entrepreneur. So if maybe he saw something of himself in in me. Um, what he said to me uh, was, "You'd be a terrible lawyer. Um, you know, do you do you know what they do?" And it's like, well, yeah. I mean, I think I sort of know what they do, and I probably hadn't thought that much about what they do. And he said they're very detailed oriented people, and they. Uh, help other people who are driving the agenda uh, drive the agenda, but they're not the people who drive the agenda or make the decisions. He said, and you're not a person that wants to dot um, other people's I's and cross other people's T's. You want to be creating, you know, I, I, he saw in me that he thought that I wanted to drive things and make things happen that, 
didn't exist before. And I think he's probably right. I don't have a great, um, uh, I'm not very good at details uh, or well, I can do them and I've learned to do them, but it's not my true forte. And I like, I have found myself enjoying starting up many things mm -hmm. and also helping other people start up things and scale them up, not just starting. I think scaling is, is, is very important um, as a very important part of um, entrepreneurship. But uh, I think he saw that, you know, I didn't want to be told what to do. And I'm not saying that being an entrepreneur is telling others what to do. But I think the creativity of working with a team to address a currently unaddressed issue is something that fires me, fires me up and still fires me up, which is probably why I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> Because I'm still finding things every day that I want to that I want to do. Uh, you know, case in, case in point, we were talking earlier where um, we uh, just a couple of weeks ago launched a new uh, uh, endeavor called Digital Boost, which helps people who run small businesses um, skill themselves up so that they can address their customers online. Historically, it was not as necessary to do that, but in our COVID area. When you used to depend on footfall, all of those small businesses and charities who could depend on footfall and therefore historically could ignore upskilling themselves in terms of learning about websites, learning about social media, learning about reaching your customers online. Um, now they really need to do it. So we launched something just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I'm quite old. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I hope that I keep on launching things. I don't know if I'm going to do it. You know, I hope I keep on doing it until I'm 80 or 90 or maybe even, maybe even after that. I hope that there's still fight uh, in, in my, you know, in my belly to work with others to address really important issues yeah. forever. Uh, and that's what I think entrepreneurs do. We, mm -hmm. we address issues that are unaddressed and we don't accept the status quo. I'm still quite amazed that some people do accept the status quo. I, absolutely perplexed when I meet people who do um but I do meet people like that um but I would wish everybody being impatient with the status quo and questioning it um I, I think it's a if it's a good attribute to to have particularly young women yeah. well and young men uh, yeah. young everybody yeah. and old everybody Every, just everybody. 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 Yeah, I love that. That's great. So clearly you, you get really fired up about getting involved in lots of things and, and that's brilliant. And you've been involved in some incredible things and continue to be. When you sort of, you know, throughout your career, have you set yourself goals for each stage of your career or each position you've been in? No. Um, when I think of goals, I usually for me, it's around a number of customers, engagement with customers, um, making sure that the product is is working. Definitely don't have personal goals, but I'm often involved in a whole lot of different projects. And part of the joy is trying to think of how can we tell if that's working? And I have a, a real orientation around the customer and empathy towards the, the customer. And if you're, again, as an entrepreneur or as a business person, if you're taking care of whoever your customer is, then I'm not sure you need a plan for yourself because if you take care of your customer, everything else will, will take care of itself. So I've got that, that belief. And it probably means that I'm open to opportunities and 
being open to opportunities has been very, very helpful for me. And I think being alive and alert to other people sort of saying, you know, have you thought about that? It's like, no, I hadn't thought about that. It's part of learning. And I think, I think that we all, I didn't know when I was younger that we would continue to learn and escalate uh, and accelerate our learning throughout our life. I think I erroneously thought that there's, there's secondary school, there's university, and then, and then maybe there'd be a hiatus in what I learned every day. And there's been no, there's been no hiatus at all. Um, and part of that, I think, is continuing to be curious about things and open uh, to new ideas and people suggesting that you look a little bit more deeply along, uh, you know, into one thing or the other. Mm. It's definitely served me very well. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. And I think that's what keeps you fired up about things as well, that curiosity and, and where that takes you. So if your goals have been um, sort of business orientated goals, and then obviously that's led on to other things, then when you've had success within all the various things that you've been involved in, have you, because they've not necessarily been your personal goals, they're, they're I guess, what's happened because you've performed well and you've achieved the business goals but have you ever or do you ever stop to reflect on how successful you have been and celebrate in any way um it's an interesting question uh i think i think do think the celebration is really super important and and i'd also say that um sometimes your life it, it, you know you've spoke about business goals i've also I think balance in life is is really important, and I have three absolutely lovely lovely children and a husband and friends and family, and they are they're super important to me. Um, one of the things that I do is I I do time box things, so uh, and and I I think that that's really it is it's really important as a probable workaholic if I didn't shut off the weekends and say, no, we're not going, you know, I'm not going to work at the weekend. This is family time. Or we spoke earlier about uh, last night was my daughter's birthday. And um, I was a little bit on the back foot today because I had, you know, I had time boxes said, no, this is family time. I'm not going to prepare for all of the stuff that I had going on before this interview uh, because I wanted to devote that to the family. So um, when I was uh, when the kids were younger, I uh, made sure that 20 out of 30 nights at 6 p.m. I was home by 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. and that I didn't do anything work oriented until the, the kids were the kids were in bed. So I think programming, um, particularly if you have the uh, capacity to be uh, to workaholic or just throw yourself into too many different projects, to me, sort of saying, well, what else is important? And whether what other messages am I sending to my family or friends if I'm you know, not, you know, sort of not making time for everything. But on celebrating, I think with team members, celebrating is important. Last night was my daughter's 21st birthday. It was important to all of us to, to celebrate it together um, and to, you know, and to plan for it together and to reflect on, you know, wow, 21 years ago, you know, yesterday was the day I had my first child. And wasn't that amazing? Uh, and isn't it amazing that, you know, uh, my husband still puts up with me and we still enjoy each other's company. And we had two other children after that. And that was fantastic and important to celebrate. Um, earlier this year at Planners for Schools, we celebrated passing a million student employer encounters. And that's brilliant. Um, you know, this morning we have celebrated a launch with a 
a major partner of Digital Boost, which was a project that didn't exist three months ago. Yeah. Um, pausing to celebrate is super, super important for, for all of this. And I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure that I do it enough. Um, uh, I do try, I, I do try to do it, but it's, it's really important. And maybe at the, when we have our reflection time every day, and I think we should make sure that we pause for reflection time every day, you know, it's like, what should I have celebrated today? And also, cause you can get, you can get too busy. I can definitely get too busy and just go and in the zoom world at the moment, go from one to another, to another, to another. And I, and I think that we need to catch our breath. It's important for us lest we start to be imbalanced or have some, you know, you know, I think mental health issues also occur if we, if we don't pause and reflect and celebrate um, and, you know, sometimes put things right because sometimes you don't have time to have those difficult conversations and I make time for those difficult conversations. Um, we are, it's, it's important for all of us. Definitely, definitely. So I guess that leads us on quite nicely to, to talk in a, in a little bit more detail about work-life balance. So um, having three children as well, clearly that's a huge responsibility. When, um, when the children were younger, how did you fit everything in? I mean, you mentioned time boxing. Is that something you've always done? I have done time boxing from, I learned that from, uh, uh, I think it was Charles Handy, uh, who again was a was a professor, uh, and uh, and he wrote a book, and and it was and I was at a lecture, and somebody asked him, how do you fit all of these things in? And he said, well, I think about what's important to me, and 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 you know, he's quite meticulous about it, and he goes, you know, this is how it is. So I I learned I learned that from reading a book from somebody who was also very very busy. Um, so time boxing is super important. The other way of fitting everything in is. From the outside looking in, it may look like I have very disparate activities, but there is a very there's a constant stream and theme through through my activities. There's, um, you know, I've made sort of seventy plus investments in startups. Most of them are double sided marketplaces, and once you've got your head around a model or a framework, then you can apply that very efficiently to a, a bunch of other a bunch of other things. So I mentioned. Digital Boost, it's a double-sided marketplace between people who have skills, digital skills, and people who want them, you know, and don't have them yet. It's a marketplace. Mm. That's the same as LinkedIn, which I've been involved with for a long time. It's the same as Founders for Schools, which is entrepreneurship skills and getting them to students via teachers. So that's an intermediary. Same thing as Zoopla, which I made a, an investment in a long time ago. It's people who own houses and people who want to buy houses. So there, you know, but you think, my God, that's like education, that's recruitment, that's houses, but they are double-sided marketplaces. So there's a, it's a theme through that. There's also a theme of software. I'm very, very comfortable in the world of software and, and understand it. So, uh, you know, so it's these themes, you know, you know, be in business, the is it's simpler for me because I view them through colored glasses. It means that I can, uh, help the people who are running running those perhaps see things more easily. It may be, you know, it's like, oh, well, that's very similar to what we did in housing, or that's very similar to what we did with, you know, with Love Films, you know, sort of five years ago. I've met that problem before. It's in a different industry, but this is how, this is how you can think about it. So, 
That's really interesting, actually. I'm going slightly off on a tangent here, but I guess that's a really good, great example of transferable skills. So you don't necessarily have to know the inside out of everything. And I think this is an important thing to reflect on for young people that are entering the careers market who feel that, you know, they've had their education going down one particular path and they feel that they have to go down one route. But actually, when you get into business or, or whatever organization you join or start, actually opportunities happen and, and your path can change and it's being open to those opportunities and being able to um, take those skills that are transferable and apply them to other things rather than thinking you just have to go down that one path. Well, I think that's hugely, hugely important. I think we navigate a journey throughout our life. Mm. And I think thinking that, you know, again, when I was younger, I thought I'm going to be a lawyer. Mm. And that's the only thing I thought. Um, until again, Richard told me that I would have been a terrible lawyer. Uh, and then I sort of expanded my viewpoint to other things that maybe I could do that I wouldn't be terrible at. Um, one of the things that I learned from LinkedIn and being affiliated with them for such a long time as an advisor um, is every single individual now between graduation and retirement at the moment is 25 different jobs right. and six to seven identifiable career themes. And if you think about that, then it's not about a job and you shouldn't be totally, totally stressed about your first job. Mm -hmm. um, and also think about before your first job, you've probably got five or six work experience mm -hmm. um, or internships. Mm -hmm. um, and that will make you more capable of making a wise decision for your first permanent role. Um, but just thinking about what we need are skills of agility, problem solving, communication, so that we can navigate ourselves through unclear waters and what we need is the ability to uh you know sort of root it root a boat rather than getting into our boat and saying oh well, i don't you know i can't, can't do that and and it's it's more exciting when you look about that you know when you look at that it as a journey yeah. and you think well what are the what are the frameworks that i need for navigating this mm -hmm. i need some skills that are in demand and the most important thing for me is i want to work on things that i feel excited about and that I think are important. And in the times in the past when I've navigated away from things that I found myself doing, and, and there's been many, on many occasions, I've you know, sort of got involved in a project or, you know, or an entity and thought, yeah, I'm really not having fun here. Um, and I think the important thing, if you're not having fun is to reflect on, I'm not having fun. Maybe my skills would be better off elsewhere. Um, and I'm gonna do that. So some people said that, you know, wise owls, are, you know, are really clever about what they're not good at, uh, as opposed to, you know, thinking really hard about what they are good at. Even the avoidance of things that you don't like mm -hmm. is, is navigation into your areas of, um, of comfort. I love that you've said that because I think, uh, you know, when I think back to sort of 20 years ago when I, when I was leaving uni and, and starting out on my career, I, I did think that you kind of chose something and you just stuck with that. So yeah. I think it's really important to have these conversations where people can reflect on their careers and where they've taken them and actually make it really clear that that's not the case. Because I think unless you've had a lot of influence in your life from people that have got a good understanding of different career options and uh, and a very experienced with, within work you, you just don't know that you just assume that you just do the one thing and you know I even remember I remember my parents saying to me you know you, you're not going to like everything at work and you've got to stick it at, at, at that first job you know I had 
Uh, my first job after graduation was joining the John Lewis graduate scheme. And that was a good job and, and I loved it. And I did, and, and this was quite interesting. I did about 15 different jobs within John Lewis. So I, I got to experience different things, very different roles within one organization, which, which was interesting in itself. But that's but, important, that, that's important as well. You, in, in a single organization, you can have many roles and you're I learning. I didn't know that. I didn't but you're learning different, that. yeah, but uh, you're also learning different transferable skills in every single one of those, in those roles. But I thought, I, yeah, I mean, my parents had, you know, my mother was a civil servant and my father was a union leader, engineer, literally a guy who climbed up telephone posts. Neither of them went to university. Their view of the path that I would take, just so different from the path that uh, I ended up taking. Um, and thank goodness for mentors like, you know, mentors and role models and teachers who really opened my eyes up to things that I absolutely in a million years wouldn't have considered and they you know you just and, you, and they're very different from the pictures that are the media and the television would also um, paint for us in potential pathways so I think we should be we should be really open to the jobs of tomorrow you know and the fact that the jobs we even think about today aren't going to be there in three years time <laughs> well, yeah. not be there. And also like creating us taking responsibility ourselves for the pathway we are we are on mm -hmm. and uh and exploring and thinking well i want to have an impact in the world we'll figure out what that impact is and then chase it really hard mm, yes i love that that's great so it was interesting earlier you were saying about opportunities have cropped up and you've taken them and it's taken you in lots of different directions when, when you've been presented with opportunities that have been way off from, from things that you've been involved in before, has there ever been a point where you've had a bit of a touch of the imposter syndrome or have you always been confident that, you know, you're going to do a great job and that's not been an issue for you? <laughs> um, I have the imposter syndrome every single day. Uh, so, uh, no, never, never not really managed to escape that. Um, and, and I actually think, it's fine. That's one of the reasons why I think the community is so important for all of us. Mm. It's been other people that pointed out to me that I could do stuff okay. um, and also supported me when I felt, when I felt un, uncertain. And, uh, and we sometimes do feel like imposters and probably makes me try harder. Mm. Um, and it gets the adrenaline, gets the adrenaline going. I, I don't like the, you know, if you, if you weren't suffering from the imposter syndrome, you might be uh, straying into hubris or arrogance. And both of those are terrible characteristics. And I think allow you to get absolute broad, you know, broadsided by things that you don't see because you think you know everything. So I think there's a, uh, I don't think, the imposter syndrome that many of us suffer from is it's it's more of a gift I think than uh, than, a, than a problem and yeah so see it as a gift and 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 maybe channel those feelings and thoughts into a more positive way I guess because I, I suppose yeah. otherwise if, if maybe you could look at it that if you didn't have it, it it might be that you don't care enough about what what it is that you're doing but I also like what you said there about um, getting reassured 
reassurance, maybe not the right word, but I guess a bit of a confidence boost from, from people that you know that, that do, you know, because everyone needs a bit of a, a cheerleader from time to time to, to remind them that, that they can do things. But maybe a tribe as well. I mean, I think um, yes. if, if I'm not, if I, it, when I'm uncertain, which is um, often, uh, I think my tribe uh, is, is really important. And it's like, oh, I'm thinking about this, but I'm not certain about this or this or this. Can you help me think about it? So I think that going out to our community, you know, widely defined uh, and helping, A, helping them think through things when they're uncertain and B, um, knowing that if you help others think through their things when they're uncertain, they will also help you think through things when you're uncertain. And, um, and uncertainty is, a, you know, is, is fine. Uh, I often solve problems by talking them through with 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 others, um, and I think that's a nice part of being part of a of a, a community, and particularly for me, the the tech community, and the, and also the female entrepreneurship community. Um, solving problems with each other is really is wonderful. Sometimes bringing together people in events to talk about things that need to be talked about, but is really uncomfortable. Um, is important, but it's only through discussion that we can see our way through some of the difficult problems that there that there are, and we shouldn't feel alone in in that. Definitely. And where is your? Do you have a core tribe of of, of people that you would seek support or advice and guidance from, or or would it depend on what the topic was? It really depends on the. For me, it depends on what the topic uh, on what the topic is. But I've got a weird, I have a, I have a weird life. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, uh, well, not a weird life, no, but again, I, I have wide networks and because I've been non-exec in portfolio for quite a long time, um, I try to make sure if I'm going to ask somebody to help me think through something that, that they really do understand uh, whatever it is I'm asking them to, to help on. So I think, um, and, on, and in the past I have asked, I have gone too many times to, this, to a single person and asked them, advice on something they don't really know about and you know gotten pushbacks like I have no idea why are you asking you know did you think about what you were asking me so I think you, you know I think I try to be I try to be mindful of when I'm asking somebody something that um that I've thought can this person really really help me through uh, you know help me think this through mm. so um I, some I know some people get coaches and some people have mentors that they go to over and over and over that hasn't been a that hasn't been a, a solution. There are people that I, you know, you know, have worked alongside for 20, 25, 30 years. And maybe sometimes it's just every, every other year that I'll sort of go, ah, you know, I think you might have a view on this. And often I'll be, you know, like, do you have a view or do you know somebody that I can talk to that's an expert? I also use social media for that. So, you know, it's not unusual for me to go out onto Twitter or to Facebook saying, I'm thinking about this. Can you, can you help? Um, and you'll be surprised at what comes back and it comes back super, super fast. Mm, that's, that's really useful. And I guess because you have got a wide network, you can approach people in, in that way as and when, rather than having to have a set person or, or a set group that you go to. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I guess um, I, I, it would be good to explore social media and LinkedIn in particular, given your history with LinkedIn. So for, for a lot of young women, um, they're obviously used to a number of social media platforms for their personal lives. 
but when they hit university age, I guess that's the kind of point where they're thinking about their professional social media profiles. And LinkedIn is clearly still king in terms of being the, the one to go with. Now, I often get um, students saying to me that they don't really know how to use it, which is something that I can help them with. But in terms of using it in the way that you've said around putting um, questions out there and, and, and asking for help, have you got any advice about how people should do that and what's the best way to go about it, given that they might not have posted anything before? Um, I think LinkedIn is a is a fabulous product, uh, and I also think um, again it depends. There's lots of advice on how to use LinkedIn, and and you should you should make it your friend. I could not operate without without LinkedIn. If I'm going to meet someone, I go look on LinkedIn who I know. I look at what they've done before. It's really helpful for me in research about how to think things through. If I'm interviewing someone for it, you know, who's wanting a job, I will look through who they know, I'll get references on them. I think it's, I think it's super important. Sometimes I'll make a post to LinkedIn about something that we're, that we're doing. Um, and the comments that you get back are super, are super interesting. Um, in terms of tribe, I think my go-to thing for tribe might be WhatsApp. Um, and sometimes it's, uh, you know, fellow board members uh, and talking about things before a board meeting comes up. It's like, oh, I thought that was strange. Oh, that, that paper was terrible. <laughs> like, you know, you know, who's going to reach out and tell the author of that paper that, you know, we didn't understand it and, you know, you know and that, that sort of thing. So, you know, social media can allow you to be, you know, very, you know, in tune with things uh, and, and are, you know, super helpful. There was a trade mission that I went on with a bunch of um, female CEOs about three or four years ago. And every day, there are still interactions of that group, that tribe that, uh, you know, that we put together, you know, sort of, again, a cohort, you know, quite a tight cohort. Mm. Every day, things are being shared between that group of folks as they discover and they navigate their entrepreneurial world um, with others. So I think they, you know, I, what I love about the social media is it allows you to find your tribe. Mm. Sometimes it's public, you put out a public question on LinkedIn, sometimes it's private so that you can circulate and reflect on and get feedback from from others who who are you know sort of similar so i've used them really enthusiastically i think they're amazing productivity tools uh, i think they get you to your answer significantly faster and with greater confidence than um than you otherwise other otherwise would i would you know, encourage you to embrace them enthusiastically um there's lots out there so find the one that suits you and your method of operating um i literally tend to use them all <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, but for, for slightly for slightly different for slightly different things sure. and do you get approached through social media a lot from young people asking for your your advice or your views on things uh yes <laughs> you respond to all of them or is it that? i can't respond to all of them there, there isn't enough hours in a day um but uh, one of the things that, you know, again, but a way of solving that, if you think founders for schools, um, mm. we put together 30,000 um, people who are very open to interacting with young people in their community. So I've helped put together platforms that enable kids to, to, reach, to reach others. And I, you know, I wish that I could help every single person that ever approached me. It's just not, it's just not possible. But also even highlighting that there are people that around that they can turn to that are there maybe it's teachers maybe it's uh you know 
you know, I would encourage everybody, especially if they're a young person, to look at Founders for Schools. It's a treasure trove. Um, and also, if you're on your, you know, if you're looking for work experience, and WorkFinder is a brilliant way, not for permanent employment, but finding your five or six internships that you want before your permanent employment. These, you know, these tools are out there, and there's fabulous opportunities there for everybody. Mm. No, that sounds really good. Fabulous. Um, so I guess that links to, to asking for help, really, doesn't it, around, um, you know, not being afraid to, to, to ask for help, but doing it in the right way so that they're, they're most likely to, to get a, a response. Um, in terms, let me ask you a little bit about your, your working pattern, and then I'll have one more question before, before we finish. But do, do you work crazy hours? Um, do I work? I don't know. What do you define as a crazy hour? I'm going to um, guess you're outside of a, a nine to five kind of girl. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I feel incredibly privileged to be able to be affiliated with the projects that I um, am affiliated with. And that I, and I don't actually really even feel like I work in, it, in any sense. Mm -hmm. So um, I do try to make sure that there's balance in my life. I spoke about that earlier. And, you know, it used again when the kids were younger, it's like put them into bed and then I'll probably do stuff for an hour and, you know, I'll touch base with touch base with others. But, you know, sometimes those people are, you know, they're my friends. So, you know, is it social or is it work? And is helping someone who you care about solve a problem that's really perplexing to them or vexing to them? Is that work? Yeah. I don't know. So I'm not, I'm not, I find it hard to answer your question because working in my life, it just feels like a privilege to, to make things happen with people who I adore um, and on problems that need to be solved. Uh, yeah. So yes and no. <laughs> I, I think that's a really important thing to, to reflect on though, because um, a lot of the, the women that I've been speaking to are, well, they're all very passionate and enthusiastic about what they do, which is why they've all been so successful. But actually, there is that thought that uh, in these times that there's a work-life blend anyway. But actually, if you love what you do, then it never feels like work. Like I would, I'd have to sit down and work out how many hours I do a week because I don't count them and I don't clock in and out because I enjoy what I do as well. So I think that's a really valuable lesson for people to you know if, if they are kind of watching the clock all the time then clearly something needs to change and they're perhaps not in the right role so I think that that's that's something hugely important and, and then you I guess that leads into work-life balance as well I guess too so well I think I think if you find yourself doing something that you don't love you should stop it's yeah. really it's really clear and if your current skill set prevents you from moving on to something else, then in your spare time, is that work? Acquire a new skill. You yeah. know, upskill yourself. There's plenty, you know, it, it can be YouTube, it can be Coursera. There's a huge number of things that are available out there for, for free. All they take is a bit of time for you to, you know, put yourself into a position where you can love what you do. I think it's really important that people uh, love their work. Uh, and and if you don't like it, it's not good for you, and it's not good for you, not good for your customers. It's just not good. Absolutely. So um, you know, find you know, find yourself. Someone will love the job that you have, even if you don't. So move on to something you love. That will open up the space for somebody else who you know maybe doesn't like what they're doing, but would be very well suited to what you're doing at that point in their career. It's really about maintaining that 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 balance and thinking about what we're here for. Yeah. We should be here to solve problems we care about. And that's, if that can be your work, then that's a great thing. Yeah, 
Yeah, great. I totally agree. Totally agree with that. Okay, so um, just before we finish then, what would be your one key piece of advice that you would like to, to share with our audience of young women who are starting out in their careers? Is there one thing that you could pass on? I think chase your dreams and do, do what you love and you know, solve, solve problems that are important. Mm. Nice, I like it to the point. And actually, hopefully everything else will follow if you can do that and it will bring, bring great things. And maybe believe in yourself. Mm. Which is harder, I guess, when, when you're younger and you're uncertain about things. That's one of the hard things, I think, when, when people are starting out. But hopefully if they find their tribe and they've got people that will support them and they're doing what they love, that will all come together and, um, and, and be, be a very positive thing. Fabulous. Okay. Well, thank you very, very much, Sherry. It's been wonderful to speak to you. Thanks for, for sharing your time with me today and for, for sharing all of those really interesting stories and advice. So I'm sure that will all be very well received by our audience. So thank you very much. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. And again, I very much look forward to reading your, reading your book. And I also look forward to the next time that we're able to, uh, to, to, to meet. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Ambition Accelerator as much as I enjoyed recording it. If this was your first experience of tuning in, go back and listen to previous episodes as there are some brilliant ones. Please do go and check those out. Hope to catch you next time.